Hey there, he's, she's, they's, and we's. You're listening to another episode of Let's Talk Life podcast. If you like what you hear, you can subscribe to Let's Talk Life on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us on Instagram. Please share our podcast with your friends, send us a comment, or forward pictures of your dogs. We love it all. Now, without further ado, I'm Angela. And I'm Jackie. And you're listening to Let's Talk Life podcast. Today, Angela and I are going off the cuff a bit with a candid discussion about mental illness. One of those things most people don't really talk about, but that exists right alongside the daily demands of life as a student, a colleague, or maybe even a podcaster. We figured this week we would make a point to talk about it. No, we're just going to go with it. I that's fine um <laughs> we'll see <laughs> I might have to supersede you you might have to share it with me you stopped sharing the editing with me I did I ever sh- I think I shared the editing with you one time and you didn't give me any feedback and so I was like I'm posting but give me the chance to do better oh my god Jackie please um what let's okay let's talk about i can do better i i you know what it is i'm i'm projecting right now i'm projecting because i feel like since we've started (laughs) this podcast i you know we started strong let's be real like it was the fall um i what was just like man i i think i like just started my full-time job now we're, uh, I don't know, like wow. six months in or something like that. Grad school is ridiculous. Full-time job is, you know, takes up a lot of my energy. I don't, like, I don't promote the podcast the way that we used to, like, and so I'm, I'm projecting on you is what I'm, what I'm doing. Okay. I mean, I, I don't think you were projecting anything on me, Um you know, you're so hard on yourself. You always think you're, <laughs> you're being harsher than you're not, but really you're, you're just, you're probably being, you're not saying truthfully really how much you want to promote it. And I know I do it sporadically, um, but yeah. I mean, yeah, I want to, I want to promote it more. I'm just tired. But I know I'm I'm just tired too. We're tired. I I, on on the day right like there's the me right that has the aspirations that any human being has right to make something successful, Mm -hmm. and then there's also the part of me that is like a really tired introvert who would prefer to like write and journal their thoughts and not share them necessarily with the world um all the time um and I do think it does also take you know I'm the kind of person who takes energy to to be very present and thoughtful in what I'm saying and I think you absolutely identify it with that like you know our solitary time is like our battery but I don't know sometimes also like that's the thing I sometimes I surprise myself that I'm still human and I I 
I have a conversation with someone like literally we'll finish a podcast that I like had to drag myself to mm. and then I'll feel good though I'll feel like a little buzz and I'm like huh talking to another human being is uh good for you I think it's good the socialization thing maybe we theologists the scientists the primatologists <laughs> alienologists all the ologists know you've got more <laughs> maybe they're on to something actually maybe you haven't gone too far that seems about evolution here yeah no i if anyone wants a good book on uh depression and anxiety lost connections is a great book i read it a few years back but it basically talks about that just Mm -hmm. the importance of connection to to human beings like to a community of people Mm -hmm. And how usually when you're anxious or depressed, like that's the last thing you want to do is talk to. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, does it talk about how you sometimes forget that? I mean, of course. Yeah. Like you, you're not in a state of wanting to connect or like whether you're just drained or you feel like a burden or it causes you anxiety to connect with people. Like, yes, those things will happen and you you check, must check, must connect check. anyway. <laughs> I know, I know. It's so helpful, um, and I think I've uh, understood that a little bit more during this pandemic time. The value of connection. I think what I still don't value is like a full schedule. <laughs> like I don't. I was I was I was telling Jackie that I'm um, overwhelmed and apathetic all at once. And right, the, right. the overwhelm part comes when I realize that on every single day, I have some task that needs to be done. Whether it's like going to work, then going to the gym, then having class or needing to do homework or needing to, mm-hmm. to record a podcast and edit a podcast. Like mm-hmm. there's something on every day of the week that needs doing. And I'm like, damn what I would give to have a day where I actually don't have to do anything. I mean, today's the closest day I could get, right? I could have been like, Jackie, I can't do this. Or like, I'm, I'm not, I don't have it in me to do this podcast. It, w- it would have right. been a lie because I do have it in me right now, but I still could have said that. Right. You, and you really could have. Yeah. So, yeah. A lot of what you, what you said in the beginning I want to say initially very much resonated with what I've felt in some periods where I just felt, I guess, to simplify it, like a hamster on a wheel, honestly. And I just, it really felt like I could not get off and not like my life was terrible or like the literally the worst. I had the worst deck of cards that life dealt me, but (laughs) that, I literally just would wake up in the morning exhausted by the fact that I had even woken up. Like I had, I am now conscious, a conscious existent member of society. And thus I must engage. I must do all of these things. Right. And then you start going through the to-do list. And before you've even done anything, you've paralyzed yourself with, choices and decisions and challenges ahead of you Mm -hmm. and not in an exciting fashion not in a manner 
it never comes across in like a oh Jackie look at this let me show your brain this you've got all these exciting things to do today where you get to prove yourself and you get to you know really tackle all of these things that (laughs) will make you feel prideful at the end of the day and really like you deserve your your rest you know it doesn't present itself like that no it doesn't but But actually comes across yeah much more like a cement block on your chest like Oh, yeah. And on your head, and you just feel literally depressed. Mm-hmm. The word. Um, you're right that there's also, it's just like so fascinating living with mental illness because then you also have like those piercingly clear moments where you're like super into connection. You're like, I think that's why we're honestly, we're all both in careers where even though we, right have these moments of exhaustion we also somehow are getting into careers that involve a lot of engagement with other people like in a deep connection they involve intuitiveness right with human nature with human connection to you know be someone's therapist to be in a clinical setting to work in psychology to do in any facet right you have to be doubly interested in connecting with people's minds and believe that it's valuable too. Like that it's an extremely valuable thing to spend time on. It's not something to ignore that people's emotions are incredibly valid. And I also believe that as well. As a journalist, I believe we should write it all down. It's so relevant, everything should become a part of public record. Oh. You know, and then on why so then on the flip side do we have days where we just want to shut down completely you know it's it's yeah fascinating I've been wanting to do a mental health mental illness episode for a while but oh well okay I'll decide on, on if that's what we're doing or what whatever we want to call this but yeah yeah well I, I, a small a comment related to what you just shared is that first I have moments where I'm like am I going down the wrong path because sometimes I want nothing to do with people and their stuff like so many people and I don't know if it's because they they know that I'm going into counseling or I'm sure I say this to my therapist all the time I'm sure it's a combination of all things uh or it's because I'm easy to talk to or whatever mm-hmm. but people will you know often just like share their stuff with me and, and what do you mean like more than just your friends like the people you're showing the shopping room in lululemon or how extreme is like this? co-workers friends family members or like peers here and there yeah. and around the square uh but and then that's on top of my own stuff but i think always probably you know as i'm saying this some work around like boundaries you know just like healthy boundary setting or communicating oh my god you know i discovered (laughs) you know what i i uh 
I, I knew this already about myself, but I think as I talk about it, it just becomes clearer and clearer um, is that I don't communicate my feelings until after the fact. <laughs> mm, I do that, people. <laughs> Dude, I love, you know, that's the magic. This is why people do talk therapy because just talking about things and your feelings is really so powerful because we never do it. And so when you actually talk about them, you can have moments like, like this that are wonderful because even if they're not like entirely, right? Like you're not taking this and using it to like judge your entire life, right? But you're just like, oh, this is an interesting rationale for why I might do something. Yeah, yeah. And it's rare that we self reflect. I feel like I do it a little too much, but- um... In such a pragmatic and hopefully not destructive way. Yeah, yeah. I think there's a there's also stuff on the opposite side of the spectrum that's like if you're too introspective then you're probably creating a lot of like for lack of a better word drama in your life that doesn't need to be there. Um when like you take other too seriously, fuck, don't do that either. <laughs> yeah, that is bad. That's a bad tailspin to get into. Been there, done that. Yes. Mm, okay. Well, I think if we're going to go down the mental health route, um, down the rabbit hole, it's, uh, interesting because do you have, do you have diagnosed disorders, mental illnesses? Let's see. I guess they call it major depressive disorder. They do. Like, technically, you want to be like massively technical on what's on the paperwork. Mm-hmm. So for like why I take Lexapro, why? Okay. Well, I think that's interesting because nothing fancy. Nothing fancy. Pretty Just a garden variety depression. Yeah, pretty pretty common. Pretty common. Pretty common. Um, I've never had anything diagnosed. I've never. I've also never gone to a psychiatrist. So I, I, I am curious about like the difference in someone's experience that has something diagnosed compared to someone who's like, oh, I, I imagine that I felt depressed. It's so interesting because I don't like to say like I've been depressed, but I feel like probably, yes, I was. I mean, I would say if you want an answer to that question, then you should seek out the diagnosis because you really will not get it unless you seek it out is my personal experience. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. I'm just, I'm really just thinking back to college. I don't know that I'm depressed right now, <laughs> unless it's like quite, unless it shows up in an interesting manner. It's like some people have it where it's very high functioning. If there's any way that it shows up in me, I would say it's doing the fucking bare minimum. <laughs> like, <laughs> what? I, like in taking <laughs> like I don't have the energy to do everything. Like I'll leave dishes in the sink. I like sometimes my bathroom will look like a fucking mess. Like I just leave things. And it's like, okay, did I go to work today? Yes. Did I go to the gym? Yes. Did I attend class? Yes. Okay, that's all I can do. I can't do anything more. You've discussed this before, this like uh clutter, this chaos. Yes. 
it's a reflection of my insides <laughs> is how I like to see it. I see. Well, the fact that you're saying that, then I would say that I'm no medical. <laughs> Diagnose me. Diag- I am no diagnostic professional, but I would say that you should talk, talk to someone, mm-hmm. talk to your therapist, and also talk to your therapist about wanting to see a psychiatrist. Um, because I don't know. I want, I'll ask you again. I mean, do you want a diagnosis? Do you feel like you would actually be, do you feel like you need the validation of a diagnosis? And that is not something that you need to be ashamed of at all. Honestly, for me, I sought it out because it was an extremely, like I I desperately needed something to validate and explain Mm -hmm. maybe how I was feeling. Like I needed some kind of proof so that I could get help literally because I couldn't like really truly get the help that I needed until it was taken seriously on paperwork. Like, yeah, it seemed, I guess. For, and you're saying like, for you to be able to allow yourself to get the help or just for you to get the help? Hmm. Maybe both. Mm, Okay. It was really important for me to even like feel comfortable yeah talking about it yeah yeah because I did feel like I needed the diagnosis to validate pretty much how I'd been feeling for years already at that point like think my I I had self-diagnosed myself for years already at that point with depression Mm -hmm. and I was just like fed up. I was like, I really desperately just need help and I'm going to get a diagnosis so that I can literally show people that I am trying to take this seriously that I, yeah, that was the point that I got to. Mm. And it seemed very um, helpful to start that process. I mean, that's how I was able to get medication yeah, I mean that's I that's the only way you would get that medication. Yes. So. I I guess. Yeah, I seeing as a diagnosis, yeah. Um that's also a diagnosis is like sometimes you can't get it covered by insurance without a diagnosis. Um, Correct. And that is fucked up that is you know there's there's trouble in the in the counseling and mental health industry also Uh, yeah I was too self-absorbed is really I guess a cruel world word to use to describe it but I was just so concerned about I wasn't thinking about that you know I I, yeah no, no no but why would you but no, I mean, it would make sense if that was a motivation for some people, honestly. They, if they do have, if they know that they have a limited insurance plan, you know, I didn't, I'm fortunate I didn't have to even worry about my insurance. Yeah. But at the time, I had really good health insurance. And not everyone has that. You know, you have to think about the, there are tons of people who don't even seek out mental health care or, uh, you know, 
they put down their own problems like they um minimize them mm-hmm. right their their own mental health issues in order to explain away not going to the doctor not seeking help yeah yeah and mm-hmm. and if they feel like they can't afford it like i'm not worth the the consultation fee i'm not worth the de- deductible this is a problem that isn't real that isn't valid i should be able to fix it been there a little bit been there in the sense that this in in the later half of 2020 i was able to go and see a therapist on like and have it covered by my insurance prior to that my deductible was so high that i didn't because I, I under my parents insurance i just couldn't like i i would have had to have paid thousands of dollars before my insurance started covering therapy and therapy for anyone that doesn't know like the hourly rate is I don't know anywhere from like a hundred to two hundred dollars depending on who you're seeing so I feel like for a lot of people it is a luxury to go and and talk about your problems um and it shouldn't be that way that's a problem to me and that that was that was always a problem that I had when I was coaching as well. It's not covered by insurance, and um, you know, charge what you're worth, sure, but you're you're going to cut out so many people that need the help um, from being ex- like being able to access you as a clinician or a coach or whatever. Yeah, you run up against the the equity issues in our society, right? Disproportionate disproportionate access right those kind of resources right exactly so anyway that's a separate that's 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 it's it's really important it's a really important thing and I mean I wasn't always open to therapy but I that's because I've been exposed to it for a long time now and so I have a long relationship with it Mm. Probably went to the therapist for the first time when I was 16. That's like sophomore year of high school? I think. Yes. That would be accurate then. And I don't know. It was kind of a mixed experience. And I think I just felt a little still disempowered because I was under my parents' like living conditions a lot at that like I was just still a child and so maybe I didn't feel comfortable talking to the therapist I think fully Mm, like confidentiality right right I think because you know I think she has to give some kind of report to guardians oops they Mm -hmm. um it was an interesting experience you know um and I had to kind of like ask for that you know, my parents um, are from a generation like that don't really understand therapy at all. Um, and they, it's so odd because my brother works in the mental health industry and <laughs> I'm, you know, passionate about mental health, like access and yeah. choice and, and um, visibility and and yet, like, they, they don't believe in that. I mean, I guess they're coming around. I shouldn't really be so harsh, but I'm, 
I would say like that's the initial like reaction generational <laughs> gap that seemed yeah. to exist at first and uh so what like that was sophomore year of high school and then I didn't go back until maybe freshman or sophomore year of college okay and what what like was bringing you in initially was it just like also feelings of depression sadness uh yeah I was like (laughs) (laughs) yeah um I distinctly remember feeling depressed since I was 13 Mm. like it's seventh grade middle school I would say is pretty much when my behavior started Mm -hmm. it's like not pretty to talk it's not pretty you know it's not a pretty topic to talk about it's not you know um but it is literally just like a part of me it's just part of my reality and part of many people's realities that people don't don't realize you know you're functioning but you remember being chronically depressed since you were <laughs> like 13 years old yeah like probably sounds crazy to some people probably sounds like an overreaction to some people but I'm just telling you how I personally feel about it I mean I yeah it did, took me three years to build up the courage to ask to go to a therapist like literally felt like torture waiting so long mm-hmm. and then probably was more years of torture until I tried again to reach out at in in my sophomore year of college and then again as a postgraduate young adult you know it's been a re- it's been like a really important resource for me honestly for that long were you seeing the same therapists all throughout college and then or did you also take a break between the college and the postgrad? I saw several different therapists in college and a psychiatrist mm-hmm. and postgrad, same thing. Okay. I've, <laughs> actually, I, I've been such a psychiatric slut. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, Jackie. <laughs> I love that. Uh, um but it's like really funny I've never even thought of that before because in my mind like they seem like pretty stable relationships Mm. (laughs) yeah that's hilarious you're seeing a therapist you're just like oh yeah I got my life together right now it's not really though not really though but not not like truly not really though but it's a good step yeah I mean of course I think it's a huge step for a lot of people like walking in and seeing someone, deciding to see someone. Yeah, talk, talk therapy is amazing. Most of the time, that's really all most people ever need. Yeah. It might it, be really uncomfortable at first, but so uncomfortable. I totally feel that. Like, Yeah, I mean, I think um, what I can say from being on both sides of the... Uh, in, in both chairs, the client chair. And yeah, the- yeah. Like, like, because you've been, you know, in therapy, right? And before. Yeah, I am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, um, 
I first went to therapy. I went to therapy once uh, at Emerson. And I, I broke down so hard. I can't even tell you like what I talked about, but I, very good therapist. So yeah, she, I think she was actually like, uh, becoming, I think she was like an intern, <laughs> but she, I was fucked up and I <laughs> cried. I, I cried so much <laughs> that yeah. I had to like take a few laps around Boston because I couldn't like bring myself to walk back into our building. Um, and then I never went back and I, (laughs) I, uh, I cried myself to sleep so many nights, uh, freshman year. It was sad. That's horrible. Yeah. I mean, it was horrible. Like it sucked. And that's why I was like, I was probably depressed as you. I mean, I would. I'm like I said, I'm not a professional, but you were. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I definitely was. I was sleeping yeah. a lot. I was lethargic. I was apathetic, lost interest in all the things. Like I stopped playing sports, you know, classic symptoms. It's pretty identifiable. Yeah. Yeah, pretty, yeah. Pretty identifiable depression. Right. So, um, and at the time I was like, oh, well, no. looking back it was related to my sexual orientation um and uh, just like the my relationship to myself really broadly Mm. um and then I transferred schools I went to two counseling sessions at that school uh and it was for it was for someone else interestingly like or related to someone else because I, um, I had a few friends that were going through like some pretty serious mental health issues of their own. Mm-hmm. And I was, you know, there for them, but again, a lot to carry. That and, takes a lot of weight. Absolutely. Yeah. And so I had like three friends at the time that were like going through their own separate things. Mm-hmm. And I went in for two sessions and she was like, you sound like you're doing good. And I wasn't, but I was very good at sounding like I was doing good because I can just intellectualize everything. Oh. You don't actually talk about your feelings and you don't make it about yourself. And then you're like, okay, yeah, sure. Great. Fuck. Thank God. I don't have to go see that woman again. No. Don't go back. AKA I didn't go back. Do you ever sometimes hate yourself for doing that? Like, for not going back like, for what for not going back no do you ever sometimes hate yourself for being so good at masking your true feelings that you can pass in situations like that literally with a certified therapist you sometimes think wow god can somebody just please fucking call me out <laughs> you're like you uh, bitch. i know what you're doing right now no, I don't. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I mean, and I've, ex- but, but I've experienced that too, though. I've, I've experienced the call out. Like when I, that's the thing, like, okay, so I graduated and then I went through this coaching program and that coaching program brought to the surface so much shit for me. Like I was, I was also having a very hard time during those few years, like trying to be an entrepreneur the gag and then um (laughs) 
it just sounds stupid, but basically like I was trying to be a, a life coach and I was dealing with relationship issues and all of this again is comes back to self-worth which is like my life's journey I feel like honestly and um and so like was called out all the time there and in fact like I would this is what I a little bit of what I was sharing last time is that I feel like I would go to these program weekends these training coach training weekends and I would like my body was so tense I was often incredibly cold I had the tightest jaw fucking possible. Like my body hurt. Like I could, I, the, the stress manifested so physically in me because, um, like I knew I was going to be called out. I knew I was going to be called to share my experiences, my feelings, whatever. And I didn't like that. And I, I still don't like it, but I do it in therapy (laughs) and I still hate it. Hmm. And that's like my own stuff to work through is like being in the middle of feelings and sharing them, not just sharing them after the fact, after I've come to terms with them or after I've, you know, reflected on it in private by myself, because that's, I like to do that. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Not just the raw dog feeling. No, fuck the raw dog. Letting it out. As soon as you feel it, you say it. Oh, that's, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's my next um, endeavor. Okay. I, yeah, think so, that, I thought that coaching program really challenged you to do so. Oh uh, yeah. I mean, I had, we, we used to refer to them as like vulnerability hangovers. It was like too much. I was like, this it was is way too much. Yeah. Way too uh-huh. much for me. My threshold was pushed so fucking far. Um, but I had that experience. Then I went to therapy uh, in grad school a few years later, um, aka like during this time. Right. Yeah. I, I yeah. guess I'm putting that together. Yeah. Yeah. And now I'm with um, another therapist. <laughs> so, but every experience has always been around self worth. And I think it will just continue to be that way until. I sort of like integrate all of these things that I d- apparently tried to uh, change about myself. You know, I was like, I think it's just about integrating these parts of yourself that are like not so pretty or that you deem undesirable or whatever and not trying to change them or be the opposite of those things. Cause that's just not the answer. And rant I'm done. <laughs> oh yeah I mean that's definitely I agree like right self self-acceptance right is pretty much what you're saying at the end there yeah yeah it's the key to to what to what you're saying to like inner peace con- like contentment that's where I have a actually uh, I would disagree you know I <laughs> let's get into it Jackie <laughs> peace is even possible like I don't know. I mean, right. This conversation began with mental illness, right? And if you're suggesting that there's some kind of inner peace that can cure your mental illness, I just don't think not you specifically, right? Because I can't diagnose you literally through Zoom, but <laughs> <laughs> also not certified, but <laughs> Zoom would just be ridiculous. Yeah. No. Um, but, you know, finding your inner peace 
if one is truly suffering a mental illness, I don't think will last or alleviate it forever. Or I just think it's a dangerous idea. See, that's a good, I feel like that's a good point. And and I think that your experience with like chronic mental illness, I feel like it's related because it's chronic, AKA like you're going to manage this for maybe the rest of your life. You know, that's, that's typically how it works. So, you know, for some people, and you can think of this like a more, I'm not going to say more severe, but like more obvious case is like addiction. Like you, if you have an addiction, you, I mean, unless you're an an anomaly, like you will probably relapse several times. Absolutely. And you, you know, people in your life should expect that. And it's part of the process, but like it, an addiction is something that you will manage the rest of your life. Like it's not going to go away. So I think in those cases, I think it's also important to define what inner peace even means, right? That's a very like esoteric, uh, fluffy way to, right? right. right? Like, okay, what, is, what does that mean for me? Okay. That means that like, I, I will be live more in the present or I will like take care of myself in these ways that I wasn't before. Um, so I think m- maybe getting more concrete about like what that actually is, is also important. Thanks for that. Yeah. And, and I'll just say, you know, recovery in any, um, form of mental illness is not linear. That's certainly a phrase that I like to use to remind people and myself, certainly that quite just quite literally recovery is not linear that you know you will have your setbacks and you may start over seven days in a row but on the eighth day you can still start anew yeah you really should not beat yourself up on the relapses whether they be with in regards to an addiction or in regards to any other psychiatric disorder. Yeah. I, um, yeah, you're, you're 100% correct. It's funny. Like I remember that time during school during, uh, at Emerson when I first went to therapy and I was like, so deeply sad. And I remember, um, when I came to terms with being gay, I was like, Oh my God, I feel so happy. I feel, I felt, I did, I felt great. And then it's funny. It came back. <laughs> I was like, wow. Um, yeah, you thought I was, gone yeah. I was like, dude, this is the thing. Like I I've solved the fucking problem. Like the core of the issue is solved. I can, I can, I'm happy again. <laughs> and then, um, oh. and then it didn't, it didn't last, which is, you know, I'm sure an experience that a lot of, oh, a lot of people have. Like, yeah, I love that you brought that up, actually, you know, yeah. because that is a real struggle train, I think, for a lot of people with all sorts of mental illness. I think that is so relatable because <laughs> you will have periods where you're, you feel like you have conquered, mm-hmm. you know, whatever your problem was. 
you know, whether it's OCD or depression or self-harm, whatever. Yeah. You have a good period and you're like, yo, I don't even need this therapy. <laughs> these meds, they're at, everyone goes through this period, mm. you know, with one of these things at least once. Yes. And you're like, I'm okay now. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like, oh, right. All these things, all these resources, all these tools that I was taking advantage of are the reasons why I was okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you surprise yourself by getting a, a flare up. Right. A, right, right. Like a mental illness flare up. Um, totally relatable. Been there <laughs> before. Um, and then I think there's also a flip side, though, right? There's a flip side to like, oh, the, the like almost moment, moment of naivety where you're like, I, I'm totally fine. Like, it's not even a problem for me. It's kind of like if an alcohol, you know, I mean, I don't want to use addiction again. Like, or like if an alcoholic, right, starts drinking again, and they're like, but it's just once a week. Yeah. Or I don't know, like somebody with depression who's like not showering and not cleaning their room for and not seeing their friends. And they're like, I just, I'm just spending time alone. Like, no big deal. I'm just like not going out right now. Mm hmm. Uh, like this is not this is just what I like um, or you can think of a million examples right but there's yeah. a flip side to the naivety of thinking that you're okay and you've conquered your mental illness then sometimes there's also a separate reaction an opposite reaction where you you feel good but you start to miss feeling unwell hmm. say more about that well, for some people, in some some cases, you just might miss uh, the certain familiarity, the certain comfort, at least with depression. I know it's very common sometimes for people to uh, miss, I don't know, I guess, um, yeah, the, fa the familiarity or or sometimes I think it's really caused by the fact that you feel like it'll happen again. And so it feels like an inevitability. So sometimes you just submit yourself to it. You feel like, oh, well, it's going to happen eventually. Like I might as well just give in. So in sort of um, defeated, defeatedness, I guess that arises sometimes um, or a misplaced nostalgia. Um, I mean, it's totally flip side if somebody's bipolar, right? And some people who are bipolar, they miss the manic phases because they miss being, you know, passionate about certain things or having the ability to stay awake for long periods of time or yeah, yeah. whatever their per their personal traits are, right, in their manic states. Um, right. some, it, sometimes it seems very rational, but sometimes people wind up missing their the side effects of their whatever their mental illness is yeah it's that's that's interesting it, it makes oh, no of, professional no i mean it makes a lot of sense with like the the bipolar example and even like addiction and the highs and stuff um depression's interesting for me to wrap my head around i'm like why the fuck would anyone <laughs> miss but hey uh sometimes things seem like you said rational in that moment that or or people that like don't you, want to head, you know it doesn't have it doesn't make sense you yeah. know to, 
the healthy mind, but. Right. Yeah. Um, I was going to say it's similar to people that like, don't want to get on medication. Yeah. Because we feel like they're going to lose. Right. Like if someone's depressed and like, I remember my writing, my writing was really good when I was depressed. I was writing really wonderfully. (laughs) Wow. Wow. And, uh, Something about sadness makes me poetic. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> um, but anyways, like, I think people are like, well, what if it takes away my creativity or, you know. Or dulls my senses. Yeah, what if yeah. I lose my, what makes me me, you know. Exactly, yeah. But you know, you find, uh, you find a new version of yourself. At least that's, um, it's been described to me like that by some friends that have taken uh, medication. So, yeah, just different, but yeah, I can understand the resistance. It, it totally, yeah, it totally depends. It depends on the person. Um, yeah, I mean, I've, I guess it's been a while now, but I was totally a proponent of medication by the time that I was offered it. Um, and fortunately I, my experience with medication has been good. Mm -hmm. I know for some people that's not the case. They bop around on several different medications that wind up messing up their moods even more and affecting, you know, all sorts of other things. It can give you like terrible dry mouth or yeah. other ridiculous symptoms, insomnia. It's like you're trying to solve one problem and then you, you created you created some others. Yeah, it's really disheartening. So I know that the experience can be really frustrating for a lot of people. And fortunately, it hasn't been for me. I mean, I remember when I first started taking medication and I don't know if it was placebo or not. <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> but it just really seemed to, in a very cliche way, make just make me feel so much better, mm. so much lighter, so much more willing to get out of bed. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes you just need it, yo. Like, again, yeah, it's not for everyone. It's fine, yeah. but I personally found still find it it's incredibly valuable and that's that's just my personal experience yeah it's um it makes me wish that this like the the process of taking care of one's mental health was um easier just because like you know finding finding the right therapist that you click with doesn't always happen like it's kind of like dating sometimes and finding the right medication you know you have to be on it long enough to really see if it's working or if it's not working and then um you know scheduling appointments going in for appointments it's it's so you know it can be a lot um and and even more and uh, on top of that that it's a delayed gratification sense of the result yeah you you can't just walk in and walk out with a noticeable difference Mm -hmm. it's a long-term commitment as well which I think is not a luxury that everyone has 
you know, to devote maybe an hour a week mm-hmm. or every two weeks. And then maybe a bi-monthly visit with a psychiatrist mm-hmm. plus the co-pays for those visits mm-hmm. every time. Yeah. If you have kids, finding someone to... To cover, yeah, the travel, cover the babysitting time, the travel, the transportation of that. Mm -hmm. Lots of factors. Costs money as well, yeah. And so it's funny, we kind of started this conversation initially about access. And Mm -hmm. now we're circling back to it, which is funny because we are to, one would say, relatively privileged people in this world. Mm-hmm. We're supposed to be, if anything, you know, as young cisgender white women, we should have access to, you would think, all sorts of healthcare resources and mental health resources. But it ultimately takes us back to like the bottom line of the mental health system and the healthcare system in the United States being broken. Yeah, that the access is so poor that it can't even serve those who it's made for the small group that it seems made to disproportionately help. Mm-hmm. You know, isn't even better off with this terribly unequal system. Nope. Not I'm- like I want these advantages. Like, please, I, I, I'm, and I'm certainly, I'd like to work towards a more equitable health system, and I. I'd, love for there to be more subsidized mental health services and you know there's there's so many barriers in place and you know we don't even discuss the social stigma which Mm. is also a huge cost for people Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know that that's a huge reason why people don't get help right and and don't even talk about it like, because we need to do a part two. <laughs> and yet, and just it's so common, right? So common. You, me, he, she, we out there probably is someone or knows someone who lives with mental illness. 100%. 100%. So there's. There's no reason for the shame, and yet it's something that people always seems to be the wrong person carrying the shame. And Mm. if you're somebody who is living with mental illness, or you are loving or defending somebody who lives with mental illness, you know, the shame does not belong with you. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think it's hard. Um, like depending on the culture that you're coming from, the household that you're in, it's hard. It's difficult <laughs> to get uh, the help that you need, even if you have access to it. Sometimes, just yeah, the stigma surrounding going and seeing a, a therapist. Yeah, um, I mean, there are doctors who work in hospitals who have, right? Theoretically, the access, immediate access to great resources and professionals who are hired to take that seriously. And yet they, they are more likely than many to keep quiet Yeah, about suffering from mental illness to, to minimize their own problems 
to write it off and to try and push through it. Oh, it's so sad. It saddens me so. It really does. <clears throat> but it's the truth. Yeah, it's the truth. Can't even get started on mass shootings and the, uh, you know, it's the mental health. They're, they have mental health issues. Okay, if that's the reason, where's the access? <laughs> what? If, 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 yeah, as misguided as and, and too simplistic an answer as yeah. it is. Like, let's factor in the rampant white supremacist culture as well. Yeah. But let's do that. Yeah, yeah. It's not even like they they there's any change. It's just no gun control afterwards. There's no. It's not like there's any funding to the mental health resources. I know, dude. It's a it's a cop out. Whatever. But yeah, I I well we'll talk more about this. Um. Absolutely. But I mean professionally and personally yes <laughs> if this is professionally and then in any kind of capacity i don't know but in terms of our relationship this is the professional capacity yeah yeah this is this is absolutely professional um yeah if you if you have access or listen if you're listening to this and you need help finding uh, like resources or something please contact me I will help you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I would say the easiest way to find a therapist or a psychiatrist is psychology today. Yep. Uh, you can do it. Or, you know, if you have insurance, go on your insurance website, call some people, you know, do that. If uh, try, try group clinics, uh, if one-on-one is too expensive, you know, there's, um, there's ways. I mean, there's there's things like BetterHelp now, Talkspace. Uh, yeah. I don't yeah. know how I feel about those. Necessarily, but... Yeah, and I'd say be be open to it. Yeah, that that might actually be the trick for some people. Yeah, don't be hard on yourself. I would say literally, if any if anyone listens to this, I don't know, but <laughs> if anyone listens to this and this conversation at least helped somebody in some way feel like their own experience was a little more normal then I think this was well worth bearing some of the ugliest parts of my soul. <laughs> yes. Oops I, oops, I let the dark part of myself slip through again right oh, there. No. <laughs> Get right back in shape. Oh, man. Yeah, we'll leave um, some, some website links in the description of this episode. Uh, so that you have some resources. All right, folks. Peace out for now. Take care of yourself, folks. Love and light. That's all for us today. Thanks for listening to another episode of Let's Talk Life. You can like and follow us on Instagram at Let's Talk Life and subscribe most places where you find your favorite podcasts. Let's Talk Life is produced by Jackie and Angela with editing and sound design by Angela. See you all next time.